what you guys are thinking. Did they really just not only film that, but play it in church? Yeah, we did. And we do it again. Let's roll it again. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to roll it again. All right, here's a tough question. Does anybody in here know what TV show this series is based off of? Now, I'm going to give you guys some hints. It aired from 1994 to 2004. It was a really, really popular TV show. Uh, let's see. The title of the TV show is a synonym to the title of our series, Buddies, and it rhymes with trends. Right, there you go. You guys are so good. 30 minutes in, and you guys are already killing it. Way to go. Well, hey, honestly, guys, I'm new to Friends. I just caught the Friends kick. I know I'm like a decade late, but uh, my wife is a Friends fanatic. That's not a diss on her. She's probably stoked about that title, Friends Fanatic. Honestly, she can quote every single season from start to finish, and she's forcing it on me. And if I'm honest with you guys, I'm, I'm loving it. I really am, man. I feel like I've got six new friends. Honestly, like last night I was home alone for two hours and I had the choice between Sports Center and Friends and I chose Sports Center. No, I chose Friends. I'm so used to saying Sports Center, but I chose Friends and I'm happy about that. I woke up happy about that decision this morning. And I love that show. Honestly, shows like that are so awesome because the characters in that show are so awesome and authentic and they've all got their strengths and they've all got their weaknesses and those the dirty laundry and the clean laundry is on the table for all of us to see, and that's what makes them so relatable, and that's probably why you have your favorite. My favorite is Ross. Actually, me and my six buddies just got back from the Bahamas like a month ago, and at Ross Geller on Instagram posted this photo. So there it is. All right, if I'm, that's not real. I photoshopped that at Panera this morning. I'm sorry for the ridiculousness of that, but um, hey, we, we love, people who love the show Friends secretly love it because they are jealous or envious of what those characters have with each other, like that friendship and those bonds, and, and having friends like that, like honestly, I'm, I've been very blessed to have very good friends in my life, and a lot of them um, are going through the seasons just like I am going through them right now. I just got married, and a few more of our best friends are getting married around the same time as we are, which makes it a lot of fun. Last Friday, two of our best friends, Zach and Christine, got married, and I got to do the wedding, which was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, and also the first time I've ever done that. And I messed up during the ceremony, and I have to tell you this story because... Zach and Christine are not here tonight. They're in the Bahamas on their honeymoon, so they're too distracted to care if I were to tell you guys anyway. So it's the ceremony, the beginning of the ceremony. We are three minutes into the wedding, and it's the part where Christine, she's the bride. She's standing right up in front with her dad, Kevin, and this is the part where the officiate, me, is supposed to say, who gives this woman to this man? <laughs> That's all I'm supposed to say. Right, And then he's supposed to say, her mother and I, and then give his daughter a kiss and hug her, and it's supposed to be a beautiful and memorable moment. Well, what I said, and probably because I was looking at Kevin, her dad, I said, who gives this man to this woman? And three minutes into the ceremony, I call Christine a man. And this is the wedding day, the day that she's been looking forward to for her entire life. And I'm like, we're three minutes in. And I've already blown it. Moral of the story, don't ask me to do your wedding. And that's all it is. There's nothing more to it than that. So they just got married. Two of our other best friends, Ethan and Stephanie, are getting married in like 10 days. And everybody's getting apartments right around where we are. 
which is really exciting. And, and this was a conversation we had last week. Somebody said, I can't remember who it was. They said, dude, we should like totally find like a cafe or something like that with like a comfy couch or something where after work we can all go and hang out. It'll be like our spot, you know, it'll be our spot. And my wife, Sam, friends fanatic, yells, it'll be just like friends I call being Monica. <laughs> she loves Monica. She's clean and organized and super pretty, just like Monica. But here's the thing. She's right when she says that this is just like friends because that is something that all of us crave. And, and uh, I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, what makes these characters such good friends? Because really, you can learn a lot from these guys on, on how to be good friends, you know? And so Jesse asked us at a YA lead meeting just a few nights ago. She said, okay, what are some characteristics of good friends? Like, what does it mean to be a good friend? And we all... We all said a lot of different things, and I tried to sum it up in these three things right here. And I know I'm missing some things. This is not going to sum up everything about friendship, but I get a lot of them under the umbrella of these three ideas, and here they are. A good friend loves you enough to call out the best in you, even when it's painful. Number two, a good friend is vulnerable with you and is not afraid to show you the messiness that's on the inside. And number three, a good friend forgives. And the cool thing about this is we can go to the Bible and take our cues from friendship from the guy who created friendship, the guy whose idea it was, which is Jesus, specifically with his relationship in Pe- with Peter. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 4. If you don't, not to fear, we have technology. It'll be up on the screen. You also have your iPhone. You can follow along any way you want. Doesn't matter, but this is Matthew chapter 4, verses 18, 18 through 20, the very first time that Jesus meets Peter. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Okay, so Jesus is walking along the beaches in Galilee. One of the many reasons I love Jesus, he loved the beach. Who does not love the beach? Who doesn't like to take a stroll on the beach, right? Jesus loved that. If you read the Bible, he does that all the time, which I think is awesome. And he looks out into a boat and he sees two brothers, two blue-collar, tough-guy fishermen, Peter and Andrew. And he says, hey, guys, drop whatever you're doing and come follow me because I've got something better. And these guys actually take him up on it without even thinking. They drop their careers, they leave their boat, drop everything they're doing because they sent something intriguing, something crazy that they can't explain about this Jesus guy. And when you know, you just know. And Peter knew, and he dropped everything he had to go and follow Jesus. Peter was Jesus's most famous disciple. Uh, Peter, dude, Peter's just a character. He's the guy who like, would just go for it all the time, even if he thought there might be a chance that he would fail. Like, Peter's the guy in the group that goes, like, guys, don't worry, I got this. Like, that's Peter. Like, think tough guy, rugged, kind of studly Peter. Like, think George Clooney or Mark Wahlberg's characters from The Perfect Storm. Have you seen that? Do you know what I'm talking about? If you haven't seen that, think Mark Wahlberg's character from any movie that he's ever been in. Like, rugged, tough guy. I'm so cool that I don't care that I'm cool, you know, haven't shaved in like six months, but that's okay because I don't like girls, I just like fish, and that's Peter, you know, I just like to fish, that was this guy, and Jesus loved Peter, like these guys got along because despite the image that a lot of us grew up with, with about Jesus, and I grew up with this too from like paintings that we'd see where it'd be like, like pale, pasty, fragile Jesus where he's got like product in his hair and he's always like holding like a lamb or like a puppy or some fluffy animal with like a busted leg. 
And if you could imagine his voice, it's something like, guys, please stop sinning because you love me, play nice, like really meek and mild, fragile Jesus. I grew up with that. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, like that's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is a ferocious man who loved people with a fierce intent, who never backed down from, from a thing, including death including crucifixion on a cross, and I bet you him and Peter got along great. And we can see how Jesus acts out these three, these three characteristics of a good friend that I mentioned earlier with his relationship with Peter. So what we're gonna do is look at three instances in these guys' relationship. For the first one, here's the first characteristic that we already talked about, tough love. That Jesus loved Peter so much that he called out the best in him even when it was painful to do so. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter 16, 21 through 23, goes like this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, he'd be raised to life. So I picture this kind of like a Denzel moment from Remember the Titans, where Jesus has got his boys. He's like, take a seat, guys, take a knee. I've gotta talk to you about something. And he says, a sec, he says, soon, and I'm telling you this now, that's good. He says, soon, we're going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm telling you this now that things are going to go down, and it's going to get scary, and I'm going to get captured, and I'm going to get killed. But three days later, I'm going to rise again, and I know none of this makes sense to you now, and I know it's a scary thing to think about, but you just got to trust me. And Peter, I imagine all these guys looking at each other like, what the heck is this guy talking about? And Peter, Peter's the, don't worry, guys, I'll go talk to him. Don't worry. That's Peter. Here we go. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Keep in mind, Peter took aside the Son of God and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. I mean, poor, like, poor Peter. Like, this is coming out of a, the best intentions, a good heart. This guy loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. This is coming from the best of place. But Jesus turns back to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter had the best of intentions trying to help Jesus and trying to, to be Jesus. Those things don't have to happen. And Jesus, honestly, I don't think he enjoyed this experience of getting to, to call Peter Satan. I don't think that was something he was looking forward to, calling Peter out in this way. But he's saying, Peter, you do not have in mind the things of God. You're thinking for yourself. You're seeing through the lenses of this world. You have in mind the things of this world, and you know better than that. I'm pushing you to something better and beyond that, Peter, because I love you. And honestly, what Peter needed in this moment was not to be coddled by Jesus. He didn't need Jesus to come up and pat him on the head and give him a hug and tell Peter, hey, man, everything's going to be okay. What Peter needed was to be called out. What Peter needed was tough love because Jesus wanted more for Peter. And I'm, I've been very blessed to have good friends in my life who have done that for me. Um, the best example of that I have is a guy named Sam Ellis, who was my small group leader back in college. So back in college um, and in high school, I, my big, one of my uh, big struggles was drinking and partying, you know, and not just drinking a little bit, but drinking to get wasted like night after night after night, and halfway through college, I met Jesus. For a lot of people, when they meet Jesus, 
like they can put and set aside those things and immediately turn from them and those things are no longer a hindrance. For me, that was never the case. For me, it was a constant battle of keeping those things out of my life, you know? And so I'm in college, I know Jesus and I get plugged into this college ministry and these things are still like very, very much a struggle, which is fine, except for the fact that in my college ministry up in Boulder, which was much like, you know, YA, much exactly like this is, I, I was leading a small group you know, with a bunch of freshman guys, guys who looked up to me and guys who observed my life. And I got to be on stage a lot and give announcements and be in videos and give my testimony and things like that. And I know this sounds cliche, but like these guys would observe me being the Jesus guy one night and then the very next guy I'd be, or the very next night I'd be the guy throwing the party and getting everybody wasted, you know? And they would observe that. And, and for a while, like it didn't really bother me until one night Sam Ellis one of my best friends to this day, one of the best guys that I know, like everybody needs a Sam Ellis in their life. He calls me up on the phone and he says, hey bro, just going for a quick drive, I'm by your house, how about I come pick you up and we just go hang out? And I was like, yeah dude, come get me. Loved hanging out with Sam. And so Sam came and got me and for the first 20 minutes we had a blast and we told jokes and then Sam parked the car and he looked at me and his whole demeanor changed and he said, bro, we need to talk. <laughs> and right then I'm like, uh-oh, what? What is this? And, and pretty much, here's what he said to me. He said, dude, you've got influence in this ministry. You've got younger guys, freshmen and sophomore guys who are looking to you as an example. God's blessed you with this influence. And right now, this is what he said. He said, right now, you're crapping on your influence. I'm serious. Like he legitimately looked at me and said, dude, you are crapping on your influence. You are legitimately taking the responsibility that God's given you and you are punting on it right now. Because you've got people looking to you as an example of how they ought to live their lives, as an example of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And this is the example that you're giving them. That's the example you're giving them. And he looked at me and he said, be a man, suck it up, Grow up, take responsibility for the influence that God has given you, and stop acting like a pathetic little boy. <laughs> like, what do you say when somebody says that to you? Like, I'll tell you what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say, which I didn't, I just thought in my head was, was like, all right, Sam, while we're on the topic of each other's flaws, I got a few things that I want to talk to you about, you know? Like, I wanted to, to be defensive, and I wanted to get mad. And for a second, I did get mad. And to be honest, if Sam was just some random guy who came up to me and wanted to talk about all the flaws in my life, I would have been mad, and rightly so. But because Sam loved me, because Sam actually lived it out, and because Sam saw something bigger and better inside of me and wanted to call it out, to this day, I'm forever grateful for that conversation, forever grateful for what he did for me that night, because much like Peter, I didn't need to get my head patted. I didn't need to be coddled and be like, Doug, try harder, you got this. I needed to be told to stop being a pathetic little boy. Grow up because there's people watching you, and as a Christian, whether you have freedoms or not, you're called to live above reproach. You're called to lay down your rights for the sake of others. Do that or don't do that. It's completely up to you. And so do you love your friends in a way that you call out what's best in them, even if it's painful? Because according to Jesus, that's what real love does. So can a friend also call you out in reverse? And I know that's probably even the harder question, but like, do you welcome that in your life? Do you surround yourself with people and invite them to be like, hey, bro, I've got blind spots. And by definition, those are spots that I can't see. 
So will you keep an eye on that? And will you let me know when I need to change something about my life? And feel free not to coddle me. You can be straight shooter with me and tell me how it is. That's what Sam did with me. And I'm so grateful for that. Number two, real friends are vulnerable with each other. Jesus was his complete self with Peter. So the night before he was crucified, they were in the garden of uh, Gethsemane, and Jesus was on his knees in prayer, trying to prepare himself for the pain physically, emotionally, and spiritually that was coming for him the next day. And he was so human on that night that he literally was sweating blood. And this is Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 38. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit, where, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so in front of his friends, in front of Peter, Jesus broke down and let them see him at his weakest moment. He was full of sorrow. He was anguished. He was crying in front of them, scared to death on what was coming. And he let them know. No, he's like, guys, I'm scared to death. I need you right now. I'm not doing good. Will you be here with me? Will you keep watch for me? Because this is my dark night of the soul. So here's a question. Because Jesus was open with himself and his vulnerabilities to his friends. Are you willing to let your friends see beyond the shiny exterior that we build up? Are you willing to let people underneath to where all the mess is because we've all got our junk. I've got my junk, you've got your junk. Are you willing to let people see what's on the other side of your perfect Facebook page or Instagram profile when there's no filters to make your life look more awesome than it is and let people see that you're actually having a really hard time and in over your head and struggling than more, with more things than you'd like to admit? Are you willing to let people in? And I'll be honest, you guys, there's nothing scarier than letting people in when we are weak. There's nothing, there's nothing that's not scary about wearing your heart on your sleeve for people to see because when it's out there, you do risk the chance of getting hurt. You do risk the chance of getting made fun of, but that's the only way also that you can experience deep friendships. That's why I love the characters in Friends. Those guys are not afraid to be vulnerable and let the weaknesses be seen by their friends, and that is what entangles them, and that's what holds these guys, this group of people together so closely. Here's a quote by C.S. Lewis that I love. To love it all is to be broken. I'm sorry, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. How powerful is that quote right there? Jesus modeled that for us. He let his friends see him at his weakest hour. Maybe just to, to show Peter, hey, Peter, it's okay for men, even tough men, to be weak. You don't have to be afraid of your weaknesses, and you don't have to be afraid to cry. Jesus was the manliest guy ever, and he cried. David Second manliest guy ever, and David cried all of 
the time. And that vulnerability is, he really did, man. Read the Psalms. This guy is just as schizophrenic as the rest of us. He really is. <laughs> and vulnerability can create lasting friendships in you because it's in those moments that you realize that you're not alone. It's in those moments that you can actually be known for who you really are. You can know and be known. Do not be afraid of being vulnerable. And the last one, real friends forgive each other. So May 14th of, uh, this, past, of this year, about a month before Sam and I got married, I'm in the car driving to Sam's house to hang out with her. And I'm, I'm pretty tired because it was a long day. And uh, I was like, well, maybe we'll just hang out and watch a movie tonight. So I was wearing my, uh, my movie-watching clothes, my Batman sweatpants and a tank top. And I park my car at her house, and I go knock on the door, and she answers it. <laughs> she looks incredible. And I mean, she always looks incredible, but you know what I mean. Like, she, she got, like, done up. She got her makeup on and got dressed up. And ladies, I know now how long that takes. It takes a long time. And so I'm like, hey, babe, you look really nice. And I, I give her a hug, and I kind of stall in the hug because I'm like, what am I missing? Oh, it's our three-year anniversary. And I'm wearing Batman sweatpants right now, so I can't, I can't play this off like, hey, happy anniversary, taking you to Maggiano's or something like that. I was like, babe, I've got no excuse. Look at me. I'm not ready for a date. I forgot our anniversary, and I'm so sorry. And, and we're laughing tonight. A few months ago, it was not funny. <laughs> and it took 10 pretty difficult minutes of of me like beating myself up and apologizing. And, and then she finally looks at me and she says, Doug, that does sting, but I want you to know that I forgive you because I know that you're a human being and I know that you love me and I know that you didn't mean to forget our anniversary and I know what I'm getting into with you. I know that you're a space cadet and you're an airhead and you mean so well. You know, and I did, like I thought of the anniversary like two days before and then that day for some reason just blanked on it completely. And she... She forgave me for that, and she gave me a, an incredible gift in forgiving me for that, and after those 10 minutes, that was one of the best nights ever. I still remember, we went to CPK, I got the barbecue chicken salad with avocado, and she got a Thai chicken crunch salad, and it was fantastic. You know, she forgave me, and much like Christine, at Christine's wedding, she could have been mad at me, she could have, you know, taken that the wrong way and let that ruin her night, but she didn't. She was resilient. She bounced back from that and was like, you know what, Doug's probably just nervous, he called me a man, and it is kind of funny. It was funny. Like, everybody was laughing. Christine gave me a gift in that. You know, if you expect everything to be perfect, if we expect all of our relationships to be perfect, and we can't accept the fact that people are human beings, and they're going to say things they don't mean, and they're going to do things they don't want to do, they're going to let us down, and if we cannot accept that and forgive them, then, then man, you're in for a life of disappointment. And a life of disappointment is not a life of fun. You're in for a life of changing friends about once a year because none of them can live up to the expectations of perfection that you're putting on them. Nobody can live up to those expectations. Jesus got killed because nobody could live up to those expectations. And thank God he did because now we are freed up to love each other. We are freed up to love each other for who, that, for who we are because we know that at the end of the day, Jesus is gonna clean up all the messiness and he's gonna tie up all the loose ends. We love because he first loved us. We can be vulnerable because he was first vulnerable. We can call each other out because he calls us out. We can forgive because, and I mean this in the most epic sense of the word, forgive, he forgave us. 
when he went to that cross because he did end up going to Jerusalem. He did end up getting arrested. He did end up getting nailed to that cross to forgive us of our sins. And you know what Peter told him before Jesus got arrested? Peter said, Jesus, I'm never gonna leave you. I'm never gonna run away. Even if this thing gets real, even if things get scary, I'm gonna stand right by your side. I'll never deny you. And as soon as things get real, in his moment of weakness, Peter, Peter denies him and runs away and probably has the worst week of his entire life until Jesus conquers the grave and walks out of his tomb back to that exact same beach that he met Peter on in the very beginning. And Peter's out in the boat fishing, having the worst week of his life and sees Jesus on the shore, just waving at him and smiling at him. Yeah, just conquered death, Peter. What's up, bro? And Peter jumps out of the boat and swims back and gives Jesus a hug and falls at Jesus's feet and is begging Jesus for his forgiveness. And not only does Jesus forgive him, but Jesus says, Peter, you're the rock that I'm gonna build my church on, dude. Not only do I forgive you, but I'm gonna use you, Peter, to change the world. And because of what Jesus has done for us, he's freed us up to love each other the way that we deserved to be loved and to feel that love the way that we deserve to feel that love from our friends. And I know that that can be the scariest thing to be vulnerable. You may, maybe you're in here and you're like, well, I've been trying to make friends for so long and it hurts. I've been trying to forgive for so long and it hurts and I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm not claiming to know any of that pain, but I am saying that Jesus does know that pain. Jesus knows how hard it is to forgive. Think of how many people every single day Jesus is wearing his heart on his sleeve for saying, hey, I'm right here, will you love me because I love you? Over half the world could care less about that. He gets his heart broken every single day. There's a percentage of the world that would spit in his face if they got the chance. We killed him once. He knows what it's like. He knows that feeling and he knows what a gift community is. That's why he's the author of friendship. Following Jesus by yourself is dumb because it's so hard. Following Jesus with friends who can push you and sharpen you as iron sharpens iron is, is the design. And so if that scares you, just... Here's two tangible ways right now. Sign up for that kingdom come retreat that we're leaving on in just a couple of weeks. That's the ultimate way to make friends and experience something with other people and go through that and find community. You gotta take a chance or go sign up for, for a life group. A life group, a small group, the one that Sam Ellis led, the guy who called me out was the thing that God used to save my life. Those guys are my best friends to this day. You know who else wants to go sign up for life groups is people who wanna run after Jesus with friends. So if you're looking for that, let's do it. And let's take our cues from Ross and Phoebe and Chandler and Joey and Monica and Rachel. They're doing something right. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We love you so much, God. And I just... I wanna pray over the fear that's in this building tonight because I feel it. I feel people who are afraid and terrified of taking a step out in faith to try to make new friends or taking a step out in faith to call somebody out in love. 
or to forgive somebody or to be vulnerable and finally open up and talk to their best friends about the junk that's really going on on the inside. When Jesus, you know that that's how true friendship and true community is born because we can actually be known for who we really are. And so I pray for the courage to do that. You say in Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged because I am going to be with you wherever you go. So tonight, if there are people in this room who you are gonna save or change their life through a life group this year, I pray that you would break down whatever boundary you have to do to give them the courage to go pray about signing up for one at the big launch next week, God. We love you so much. We thank you for forgiving us. We thank you for calling us out. We thank you for being vulnerable for us. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.